Hey, Caleb. Hey, Seth. How's it going? Going well, man. Glad we are getting this technology figured out. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully this episode goes better and there isn't a, I guess, issue with the flow of everything. Yeah. So if you're listening to this episode and you listen to the first two, then we know you're a real fan because you've had to put up with some bad um, recording timing, but it's all good. I think the first episode was fine. I just think that the last episode, Blade, it essentially took your portion of the conversation and pushed it up five seconds. And so... Mm you you would like begin speaking as i was trailing off on my my i guess last thought yeah <laughs> well we can rejoice that <laughs> we have found a solution oh, hopefully. hopefully yes let's yeah. not jump the gun but we're going to uh think positively and through the through the power of that positive thinking, this will just all mm-hmm. turn out fine. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely how that works. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think we both watched the movie just last night, right? So it's pretty pretty fresh on our minds. Yes, I, I watched it last night, and I believe um, I texted you, and then you told me that you were also watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely as fresh as it possibly could be. Given yes. given that we have other responsibilities than just watching movies. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and so I watched it on iTunes. So I had to pay, like it was three ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. to watch iTunes. And then my computer, I, my computer does not, I guess, run iTunes well or something. I had some trouble like getting the movie. Like I would, I tried to go full screen and it didn't work. So I tried to like pause it or like rewind and it was just like, I was like 10 minutes in and shooting back to the beginning. I was like, all right, I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'll just start over <laughs> and just not mess it up. So uh, I enjoyed watching it despite, you know, the, the iTunes experience. You know, I remember us trying to watch one of the Conjuring Universe movies. Mm-hmm. I think it was one of the Annabelle yeah, ones. Yeah, and, and you had, you had gotten you had received a iTunes or an iTunes gift card. Right. Yeah. So you were like, let's just rent it through iTunes. And uh, I believe we've come across that issue before. Yeah. So I obviously did not learn the lesson (laughs) the first time (laughs) because I was optimistic it would work this time, but, um, but yeah, so I don't think this is like available for streaming. I don't know how often it comes available for streaming. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't find it anywhere, so I, I rented it through YouTube. And, and oh, and when I say I couldn't find it anywhere, I mean physically and digitally. So yeah. I have a funny, not so funny story. I don't know, kind of frustrating. <laughs> but okay. so so Sunday, I actually went on a mission to locate a physical copy because I knew that this was a movie that I was probably going to want to watch again and probably just keep. So I, I went to my local Best Buy, Target, Walmart, Ed McKay's, uh, just mm. everywhere that I could think of that has movies. I did not wow. go to FYE, but I went everywhere else, and I just could not locate a copy of the movie. So I'm a, I'm a bit... Peeved, I suppose, that I had to pay four bucks to rent it when I know that I'm going to buy it in the future. And so right. I believe it typically, if you can find it, it only costs like 10 to 15 bucks. So it's a, it's, it's just kind of feels wasteful to spend, you know, 50% of <laughs> the, mm-hmm. uh, the cost it, it would be to own the movie, uh, just to view it one time. But you know, it's it's all good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, sorry, I'm sorry you had to um, try so many things to have them not work out. Um, but like you said, we're being optimistic. We're yes. <laughs> going going with it. 
I mean, regardless, um, I enjoyed the movie. So yeah, I guess we can jump into the IMDb sort of look through. Yeah, and um, compared to the you know average IMDb entry, I feel like this one is a complete treasure trove of information because mm-hmm. there's so much um, around this movie about like its reception, its production, its um, cultural impact since its release on, you know, the legacy of movies that have come out in the same genre since then. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, hit us with the highlights. So it, it obviously was made in 1960. That's a, a famous fact, I suppose, directed mm-hmm. by Alfred Hitchcock, one of, you know, the greatest horror, I guess, directors. Um, he's, he's definitely an icon, definitely a, a person whose name gets thrown around when, when talking about great directors, um, and more specifically great horror film directors. And the cast, it, it had some pretty, um, well, I mean, Anthony Perkins, I, I recognized him, but I guess the most interesting cast member to me was Janet Lee. And, uh, you know, well, I don't know if you know this, but that is Jamie Lee Curtis's mom. Yes, and that was, um, <laughs> we don't have to j- jump the gun on our conversation, you know, about Halloween, but I think yeah. that's, that's going to be really cool um, seeing how those connect. Yeah, and it's just, it's just very interesting that I would say the two most iconic horror movies ever made that might be a bit of a, um, I guess, Amb- not ambitious, but a, a statement that mm-hmm. you know people might contend with or or dispute over. But um, I would say two of the most iconic horror movies ever made, if not the two most iconic, that both mother and daughter starred in them respectively. So I think that's mm. pretty pretty interesting. Yeah, I th- I thought so too. Yeah, and it's funny because the um the the character who plays Janet Lee Marion Crane's love interest in the movie is um John Gavin but his character's name is Sam Loomis mm-hmm. does that <laughs> ring a bell to you yes that is the um <laughs> crazy doctor in the uh, halloween movies yes psychiatrist so psychiatrist yeah that's a, that's also a funny little um I guess that's a funny little nod to to this movie as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Completely intentional, you know, reference and allusions. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Did you um did you recognize anybody else in the cast or? Um, I I did not. I was you know looking at it and I think almost all of these actors have since passed away. Um. Mm in recent years some of them i think in just in the last few years might have um might have died hmm. so i mean some of them kind of looked familiar um like i feel like i've heard the name uh vera miles before mm-hmm. but i couldn't really place her in anything um so that was also interesting is watching a movie where i i i knew the movie was famous but i didn't really i wasn't really familiar with any of the actors yeah and they might they might experience. just be before our time too. They might have been yeah. the cream of the crop back in the sixties, but since we are weren't alive then, and yeah, we were we we are alive very much after <laughs> this movie yeah. was filmed and and released. Then they might just not be um, figures that appear in many movies that we have seen. I'm trying to right. be better about watching older films. Um, mm-hmm. I really actually enjoy the, I guess, cinematography that you see in older films. That's yeah. why I really love watching old monster movies and, and the uh, old James Bond movies and, and stuff like that. I think that they have some really beautiful shots in those movies. And it's really mm-hmm. fun just to sort of be transported back to those times. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think I'd mentioned I had watched one Hitchcock movie before this, um, Vertigo. Mm. And I found it very entertaining. I was I watched it in a theater. It was not, you know, playing at theater. It was a university theater um as part of a school experience. 
but watching it on the big screen, like with the music, you know, like in the surround sound environment, um, I found I, I found it a very like you know suspenseful, exciting movie watching experience. Um, yeah, similar to you know the music <laughs> in Psycho is I thought it was excellent. Like yes, iconic too, but but yeah. also it, it definitely served the movie well, and I believe that it's a very solid score. Yeah. Oh, and I was trying to find the name of the, the composer, but it is eluding me at the moment. But mm. for sure, props to him um, for how he was able to create that suspense. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. I just saw that the movie is rated R. Mm. Do you think that by today's standards, did anything stand out to you that would have made it? R today or, or even PC 13. <laughs> no, I think, well, I think I saw some commentary saying that when it, when it was re-rated one of the times it was R, but some people were saying that they thought if it was rated for now, it would probably be PG 13. Um, I mean, I think it's really, if nothing else for like the themes and, Violence and, you know, there's some suggestive material, I guess. I think PG-13 is probably fair. Like, I I, I would not put this a PG, you know, like, I don't, I'm trying to think of an iconic PG yeah. movie. But, um, like, for a kid to be able to walk in and be like, oh, yeah, this will be fun. Like, I, don't <laughs> think this is the, I don't think this is that movie. But there's really nothing um, in it that would... I mean, I, I guess I, I agree that the, thematically it is a bit heavier, um, yeah, because aside from the murder, <laughs> there, there's yeah. also uh, a lot of psychological kind of issues that are that are sort of um, looked at in this movie. Right. Right. And so that might be scary to see someone with a, I guess, bipolar mm-hmm. disorder or, or whatever it is that Norman Bates has. Yeah. And it's I mean, it's designed to be scary and unsettling for those reasons. Yeah. So. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, but yeah, I, for the, for its time, I guess where movies were at in terms of censoring and, you know, just trying to leave things up to the imagination. Like I saw, this is also, I think one of the, fir- maybe the first movie where they had a toilet flush on screen, you know? <laughs> so it's like the, if nothing else, it was groundbreaking <laughs> because of that, <laughs> um, which is probably not what people think of when they think of this movie. Yeah, but you know, I think there's a lot to be said for leaving things to the imagination. You know, like a lot of our movies nowadays are so like in your face, like you know, graphic. Like it's almost just a kind of refreshing, kind of you know, unsettling to have the um, honestly dramatized violence, but the mm-hmm. you know where it's it's just different, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I completely agree. It, it was it was nice to watch a film that was very solid and suspenseful and um in the horror genre that didn't you know push the envelope like many do these days um mm-hmm. it was just it was just a solid movie so and it didn't need you know many of the aspects that we've come to expect in horror movies to sort of take it to that place of suspense and horror and shock and thrill and such um i'm gonna yeah run through the rest of the imdb because i think we need to yeah get to the (laughs) get to the discussion (laughs) about the movie um content wise so um i see here that it was mostly filmed in phoenix arizona and probably on a studio lot in california Mm. so um i guess it was filmed on site because those are the locations in the film (laughs) So, yeah. um, yeah, they, they probably did some studio lot stuff, some backdrop stuff, but it sounds like they did visit, um, many different film locations within downtown Phoenix and, and, and such. So that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Because, because I guess in my mind, I expect movies that were made back then to just be completely done on a, you know, studio lot in, in California. Mm. Yeah. Um, but maybe Hitchcock is, you know, very adamant about the practicality <laughs> in his movies. 
Yeah. Um, and then also box office terms, the budget was um, about eight hundred thousand dollars, and mm. it seems as though the cumulative worldwide gross is about thirty-two million. So <laughs> they uh, wow. they definitely uh, had a had a tremendous return on their investment. <laughs> yeah. So, but I think those are most of the notable things that that um I thought I would bring up having mm. looked over this page. Yeah, and thanks for yeah, thanks for moving us along there and I mean, I think I don't know if this is Alfred Hitchcock's last movie. I think it's definitely his most famous movie. Mm-hmm. Um I don't think it won any Oscars though. I think it was nominated for Oscars, but I don't know. I don't think it actually won any. Nominated for four Oscars, but yes, it doesn't say any Oscar wins. So yeah, um, but you know, <laughs> that's just the Oscars many of the matter. best movies ever made have no Oscars. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, just so. because it's it's more of a good old boys club than. I mean, I'm I'm getting into <laughs> my my personal beliefs about the political nature of the Academy, but. Mm. Um, I personally think that many of the best films ever made will not and have not won or, you know, will not win and have not won Oscars just because they don't hit some of the boxes that they would need to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, yeah, getting into the movie plot line, I guess. So, um, there is a pretty big spoiler for this movie. I think that's one of the things it's famous for. And that was something that in the release that they, they tried uh, Hitchcock really tried to guard the ending because mm-hmm. the ending shapes how you watch the rest of the movie. Um, yeah. So unfortunately ha- that having been spoiled for me, I think maybe by like just other shows or movies that were co- commenting on psycho mm-hmm. um, like as parodies or something like that. Uh, I, so I was watching it as if I'd kind of already seen it once. So I was looking for the, um, anticipation of the ending. But one of the things that surprised me, um, one is that I didn't realize, you know, really anything about the characters was significant. So we have um, Marion, who we meet in opening scene, taking a lunch break, a romantic lunch break with her boyfriend, Sam. Um, and she goes back to work. She's like, you know, wants to pursue a relationship with him, but he's like, you know, got money problems. So she goes to work. She um, is handed $40,000 in cash by um, her boss that he got from a client and she runs away with the money. And that's how she, you know, ultimately is ending up at the um, Bates motel under a lot of suspicion, you know, under a lot of conviction and uh, trying to make it the same to solve his money problem. So I didn't realize that there was really any backstory to, you know, this conflict of, you know, the drama of the woman who's running away from everything. That's how she ends up at this sketchy motel. Um, And then I also wasn't expecting her to be killed halfway through the movie. I think it was like, like 35 minutes in about like 40 minutes in, like less than halfway through the movie. I think she's dead. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's weird because, or it's interesting because she is the person that we sort of, I guess, follow for the entire movie. And we don't even mm-hmm. meet Norman Bates until, you know, a third of the way into the movie. And so right. it's shocking when this character that you've sort of come to, um, I guess, not identify yourself with, but you just sort of, you understand her and, and you're on this yeah. journey with her. Yeah, um, and, exactly. then, and then she's just killed off. And yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, complete, where do we complete, go from here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, completely just like. Oh, this whole woman like evading the police and evading, you know, her boss that that, you know, that plot seems like it's done because she's dead. Like, um, but of course, then the movie moves into the mystery investigation part where her sister Lila basically replaces Marion. I I feel like as a role, you know, like now you have a new leading woman Mm -hmm. with the same um, John Gavin acting as Sam Loomis character who are like trying to figure out what happened to Marion. and so there's that whole investigation. So really the movie felt more like a, a mystery to me than it did like a horror movie. Yeah. Um, just because of how they're dropping clues, like along the whole way, like Norman said stuff like a boy's best friend is his mother. 
He talked about like his mother's illness. Um, they talked about he was very touchy on the subject of madhouses, and you know he was able to describe with great detail what it was like on the inside of a psychiatric institution um, when he was offended by a comment Marion had made earlier in the movie. So you get this eerie feeling about Norman from beforehand, um, where you know is Norman like all right, but how he's portrayed through the stuff is that his mother has murdered this woman in his motel. He's cleaning up after her, you know, trying to protect the, you know, woman he loves, like who wouldn't, you know, want their mother to not, you know, get thrown into prison. (laughs) So the PI comes poking around looking for the money. So I think that's what was really good plot device of having the money involved is that's what gave them an incentive to look for Marion. Cause if Marion had just, you know, up and left, like who would have gone looking for her? Um, you know, at this backwoods motel, there's been like, oh, that's that's kind of weird, but yeah, not going to send this hotshot PI after her who's going to go visit every single motel in, you know, the area to um, go try to find her. So then the second half, the mystery part of the the movie, I think, did a really good job of pacing out with clues where you're learning more about um, the baits. You're learning. Um, he, he's like trying to play it cool when he's being questioned about, you know, if he saw Marion, he says no. And he's like, oh, well, she was here because P.I. saw her name in the book. Um, and and so just, just just to interrupt for a second, he is a yeah. horrible liar. Yeah, he, <laughs> like, <laughs> very bad. <laughs> I think I think he could have easily evaded the questions that were being asked. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then he, he slips up to the point where um, when he's something is said about his mother. He's like, well, let me just say it like this. Like, she may have fooled me, but she didn't fool my mother. <laughs> it was like, it's the most diabolical, <laughs> like, very, you know, suspicious, suggestive kind of thing to say. Like, if the PI wasn't already thinking that the mother was involved, like, that, I think that's probably why he thought the mother was involved. Yeah. Um, so the PI keeps poking around. Of course, um, he can't resist going into this big, creepy house that's behind the motel. I really love the, that house, like, the style. Mm-hmm. Um, it was such a great icon. I feel like, you know, the big house on a hill that's just sitting there. You're like, you're like, Oh, there's a woman living up there by herself. We don't, I wonder like, you know, what's, what's her story. What's this story? Um, so she, uh, the PI, I think his name was hard to say. It's Ar- Arbogast. I think something like Ar- that. <laughs> yeah. Arbogast doctor, detective Arbogast, um, strolls up there, walks upstairs and he gets knifed, um, <laughs> in the face. <laughs> Uh, very surprising. Like, um, I saw one note that said they had initially filmed that scene once without Hitchcock, um, improvising some of that stuff. And he actually liked the way they did it, but they reached, he reshot it, um, because they thought, or he thought they made it seem like he was creeping up the stairs to go kill the mother. Not he was going, <laughs> you know, looking for her yeah. or something like that. And also um, that, that shot of him walking yeah. up the stairs and then falling down. I thought that was, yeah beautiful yeah it was amazing like the how he's moving backwards down the stairs but staying like level and the camera's like following him you know all the way down um i don't know how they did it well i think they probably just they had a screen behind him that was sort of doing the movement and he was kind of just waving his hands so i don't think he was actually moving until it yeah goes back to him sort of stepping off the last step but yeah. I thought that that shot of him walking up the steps was beautiful. And then the effect of him falling down the stairs was really yeah. neat. Yeah. And um, I do want to come uh, revisit the shower scene, mm-hmm. um, you know, because that's probably one of the most iconic things we can talk about. Um, but that I think that scene, I don't know if that's as talked about, but I also agree that, that was really um, well shot. You mentioned cinematography is one of the things you really appreciate about the older style of movie. And I think, Having watched this one, I would I would agree for sure. Um, but yeah, just uh, I guess the rest of the story. Um, now that the PI is missing, the sheriff gets involved. Sam and uh, Lila keep poking around looking for um, the PI, looking for uh, Marion. Um, they find out that apparently Norman's mom had died, but then it's like, oh well, she can't be dead. She's killing people, so maybe there's you know. Then they're like, well, who's in the who's in the ground if the mother's still alive? Um, and Sam and Lila check into the motel, like in disguise, trying to get down with things. They poke around. Um, Sam has a very 
abrasive direct conversation and <laughs> it's with Norman that basically tips his hand and gets really heated uh, in a very masculine, toxic masculine probably kind of way. And then as Lila's poking around, she discovers the mummified mother in the basement in the house. And then that's when you're like, what? And then of course she turns around or she screams. Norman comes running in wearing a wig and a dress about to knife her. Sam comes to the rescue as if you didn't understand what happened in the rest of the movie, a psychiatrist <laughs> gives you a very convenient yep. three, three or four minute explanation of yep. every, everything about his psychological condition. Yeah. So, yeah, for, you got something, you know, for every age of you, we're talking about, you know, could a child watch this? Well, they could watch it. And if they didn't understand it, then they could just get explained to in the last scene, you know. Well, did, did that scene just annoy the crap out of you? Because it, it felt superfluous. Yeah, I yeah. I, I remember thinking the movie could have just ended with him being held down by Sam Loomis and like it pans in and on his crazy face or something. Yeah. And then yeah. that's just the movie. Yeah. Um, but then you have this scene that lasts, you know, five minutes where they basically yeah. say, in case you weren't paying attention for the rest of the entire film, <laughs> this is, this is what just happened. And, yeah. And so, and, and I'm not sure if maybe I, I don't want to, speak poorly of you know people from a different time but maybe alfred hitchcock felt the people of his time wouldn't be able to comprehend what they just watched i don't yeah. know maybe yeah maybe i'm coming from a more i guess um i don't want to use the word intelligent but a more aware i i, I can't think of the right word i think a, yeah well, i don't want to put words in your mouth but i think i think maybe you know, we're coming in a movie watching culture 60 years later, where now we are super used to the weird psychological mm-hmm. personality disorder. You know, like got like the movie Split, where the dude's got 21 personalities. And, yeah. You know, so we're very used to this whole idea of, oh, he's just got a split personality. That's nothing new. But I yeah. feel like for for the time, not that they're not smart, but if the average person is aware of, you know, some of the ways a mind can be you know, wounded and twisted to where it gets that kind of way um, where the uh, different personalities are warring within the same person. So I I did see one note on that, that I don't think Hitchcock himself was a fan of that scene, but the producers and studio really wanted it because they were afraid that the audience wouldn't understand Mm -hmm. what was going on without an explanation. Yeah. And that's kind of what I was getting at. Yeah, and I think yeah. that you, um, I think that you explained it better than I did, but but yes, I, I did think that someone somewhere in the, you know, the production of this movie made the decision that we're going to have this scene because we don't think that everyone will be able to track, um, yeah, you know, and sort of sort of understand what just happened. Yeah, I think that in today's age this movie almost certainly would have ended at the point where I said it could have. Yeah. Um, and like you said, we're, we're probably more used to, you know, movies where, where people have um, personality disorders. And so that's nothing super duper surprising. It's like watching, have you seen, um, is it primal fear? Is that the uh, Ed Norton movie? Oh, I don't know. Um, um, well, then I won't. I've, I've seen that because yeah. um, it's definitely a movie. Yeah. That is. That is. Um. No, it's not Primal Fear. It's. Oh my gosh, what is it called? Oh wait, maybe it is. Um. Anyways. Mm-hmm. There's, you know. Yeah, Criminal Minds, where it's like every you know, you see this kind of stuff. Like I mentioned, mm-hmm. the movie Split. You know. Yeah. It kind of makes popularizes some of these. Yeah, things. but but anyways, the movie Primal Fear kind of has a similar, I guess, landscape as this movie, or a similar sort of, gosh. I'm, like psychological feel? Yes, well, there is, there. the ending is kind of a twist like this movie, mm-hmm. and they do sort of end it perfectly, in, in my opinion. Mm. So... And, and that movie came out 36 years after Psycho. So yeah, they, yeah. they probably, you know, 
Psycho was probably the movie that most people had seen when watching Primal Fear, and so they could be like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, we get it now. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, yeah, all that yeah. to say, that, that scene just really bugged me, the last scene. <laughs> yeah. But, so if that's, if that, we'll just say that's the worst scene. Mm-hmm. Um, would you say that the best scene is the shower scene? Um, it's the most famous scene. I would almost have to, what do you mean by scene? I I guess, I guess my favorite shot Mm. is the shot of Arbogast walking up and falling down the stairs. Mm. Um, I, I don't know if you'd consider that a shot or a scene. Maybe uh, a moment, man. I don't know if that's a better word. Yeah. Um, because his his killing isn't really as much of a surprise because at that point you already know like oh this is like a murder movie like the, well, the mother's was, a murderer. It was surprising to me. I mean, you knew that when he was snooping around the house, you were like, "This can't end well." Yeah. yeah. But I, I believe I might be mistaken, but I believe you watch Norman Bates walk towards you know cabins ten, eleven, twelve, mm-hmm. and then that's when he goes up to the house. Yeah. And then and then um his mother or you know him he walks out of the bedroom at the top of the stairs. And so I wasn't expecting him to get killed in that oh, moment because yeah. it's almost as if Norman Bates teleported and or used a different, you know, sort of back of the house entrance to to sort of cut off Arbogast. Oh. You know, I actually hadn't thought about that as how how Norman got in there. Mm-hmm. And so, so that yeah. was shocking to me when he, I thought he was going to walk up the stairs. And since, you know, the movie had already kind of been spoiled for me, I thought he was going to maybe see the corpse and then Norman Bates comes up behind him and knifes him or something. Yeah. But, um, I wasn't expecting Norman Bates dressed as his mother to already be at the top of the stairs in the bedroom waiting for him. Yeah. Because I, like I said, I do believe there's a scene that shows him walking in the opposite direction moments before. Mm. But, but all that to say, I would say that is my favorite shot if it's not classified as a scene, um, which I know is <laughs> is is probably controversial because the shower scene is definitely the most famous and iconic scene from the movie. Yeah, and I think and it, the, it definitely yeah, is yeah. a solid scene. Yeah, I think that's the one that probably had put the most production effort. I think of the time, oh, I don't remember how many weeks it was that Janet Leigh was actually on the film, on like the set filming. I think it was, they worked a whole week on that shower scene. Wow. I think because of how hard some of those shots were to get. Um, well, also, you have to, <laughs> I think whenever there is a naked person. Yeah. And it's a movie that is not so willing to just show that stuff especially in the 60s i would assume or in 1960 i would assume that there were fewer films that had just graphic nudity in them yeah i mean Um, i I would i would would say that that's probably very rare yeah so so i would say probably uh as someone who has never worked on a film set i would assume that the hardest part about filming that that did take a week is getting shots that obscured Janet Lee's naked body. Yeah, yeah, and they <laughs> enough used, to where yeah. yeah, it's not in the film, right? And they I used some workarounds, like um, I think it was like moleskin, like flesh tone, like pads that like glued on mm. um, to you know to her private parts, so that it was still the whole appearance, you know, that she was nude, but um, shouldn't have to be. But I think there's a, fam- a famous story that you know as they're like finishing up the adhesive was coming off as they're doing um the final take of the scene i think where she finally dies um and so like they they like fallen off but the that's that ends up being the shot or the take that they use because um you know she was she just kept going with it even though the the adhesive was failing hmm. so i think i think they were yeah, to your point, it might have taken a long time just because they're trying to be sensitive to, you know, modesty and yeah. stuff as much as possible. Uh, and, like, the, the cone, the, the showerhead scene, they apparently had to build a massive showerhead 
that could shoot water out around the camera. So it was actually like Without a, like a, like a yeah, like a six foot wide, like hmm. shower head or something like that. Maybe, maybe it wasn't that big. I don't know what it was, but <laughs> that, that, that they, that they built like a little miniature, you know, thing yeah. for it to be pointed up at the, the shower head. That's interesting. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I feel like everyone, everyone just talks about the shower <laughs> scene. Like that was all I knew about the movie was that there was, you know, yeah. I knew, I knew that there's a shower murder where there's, you know, chocolate syrup poured into the tub is blood. Yeah. And then I knew that he is his mother. And then, yeah. so I feel like if you know those two things, um, the punch is probably gone for you as a viewer. Well, I still, yeah, I, I, I knew those things coming into it too. Um, but I still was just captivated by this movie as I was mm. watching it. And it, and it did not seem like a big commitment for me to keep watching it. Yeah. Um, and I just thought it was so well written mm. because like you were saying, you were surprised that there was like a whole plot of her embezzling $40,000 from her employer. And she is, you know, running off to meet her, you know, boyfriend and surprise him because he's mm-hmm. having money issues. And so she feels this would solve all their money issues and then they could finally be together. Mm-hmm. I was surprised that that plot was in there because nowadays when you watch most horror movies, I think if this movie was made by people with less talent (laughs) for writing um, Mm. and was filmed today, it would basically just be a bunch of people showing up at the Bates Motel getting killed off. There might be some kind of plot device that keeps people coming back and looking for others. Yeah. But I felt that this had a very strong narrative that isn't typical for maybe I just watched trashy horror movies where it's just about the killing. (laughs) Yeah. But more slasher. Yeah. Yeah. But I was, I was very impressed by the storytelling and the, the uh, plot for this movie, sort of how we ended up at the Bates motel and, and why people kept coming back to it. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. Very intricate, like you're saying, just so, so much more depth in a backstory than what you would expect. And I think it was based off of a book, too. You know, so that mm-hmm. always, I think, helps when you have some source material to work with. But even, yeah. like, just the rhythm within the movie, um, I mean, opening up, you know, in a hotel room, like, it just, you know, if you know anything about the movie, it's like, oh, hotels are, you know, this is going to be um, important. And I also thought it was funny, so she's on her lunch break, and I think she, there's like an uneaten sandwich on the table um, in that opening scene. And uh-huh. then she ends up finally eating something, eating a sandwich, when, right when she's talking to Norman in the office before she's yeah. killed. But did you, did you notice how she was eating the sandwich? She had a piece of she bread. She was eating like, it like a bird. She kept yeah, like picking yeah, at it. Yeah, and it was, I think it was only one piece of bread, and it had like a piece of cheese on it or something. I couldn't tell, or a piece of like deli meat. I couldn't tell what it was. But I was like, is that a sandwich? There's only one piece of bread. Like, it's just an open face, I guess, open face sandwich. Is that what people call well, those? Well, I think he brought her a full sandwich. And I think yeah. that we, we just didn't see her deconstruct it and mm. um, pick at it as much. But I believe yeah. I saw that it was a, a normal, regular sandwich on yeah. the tray. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but I just, I just thought it was funny her that her her life in the movie is you know bookended by two hotel rooms and two sandwiches, <laughs> yeah. um, and that she's yeah all the bird stuff. I mean, I, I, I guess the taxidermy applies because you figure out he's been preserving the body of his mother, so he has the chemicals mm-hmm. and he makes it. He mentions something that really the chemicals are the only things you'd have a hard time finding. Um, but I don't know if that you know aside aside from the birds, like he was saying just as animals are, I don't know, better not like than other animals. Like he just like birds better, you know, if there's significance to. Well, I think it's a reference to one of Hitchcock's other movies. Oh yeah. Right. Because I think three, actually three years later is when the birds comes out. Oh, so it, it, so it would be it after. Yeah. So it could be a, a foreshadowing where maybe Hitchcock already has this stuff on the mind, like, you know, the bird stuff on the mind. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't know that um, the birds came after but yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking the birds were um, sort of a reference to another one yeah. of his works. Yeah, 
Well, that's a, I think that's that is an astute observation. That probably is. I think it probably is something to that because it was very prominent for that dialogue during that scene. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and something else I really liked is that while Marion was driving around, instead of just making that like a boring thing, they um, she, Janet Lay did a really good job of having a very anxious, distracted face while they played the audio of like the thoughts you know, of what she imagined, I guess. Yeah. The conflict was of people pursuing her and stuff. So you see her having these thoughts at the end. I thought it was really cool that in the very last scene, you see Norman hearing his mother's voice, like talking to him, like when he's just sitting there chilling, chilling out in the cell. Um, yeah. And he makes that creepy face iconically at the camera, um, which I can't remember exactly the substance of that conversation, but it's basically... It almost felt felt like his mother was using him or something, like in, or he was realizing it, or well, I don't know. The the mother personality had taken over, yeah. So so essentially, she was saying she confessed to everything and is sort of thus condemning the body of her son, mm. condemning him, and and sort of because she is living vicariously through him, I suppose. Yeah. And so she's just saying that she's going to f- frame him, I suppose, say that, yeah, I did kill those people and I am in him. It's kind of hard to follow, but she's also saying um, because I am sort of taking over him right now, mm. the fact that I'm not going to swap this fly, you know, should tell them that you know, I'm, I'm a person that wouldn't do this kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it, it's, you know what, now that I'm talking through it, it, it doesn't, I'm having trouble tracking that whole scene. I think it's supposed to just kind of be highlighting, like, you know, we've been wondering what Norman's been thinking all this time. Now we're actually hearing, yeah. hearing what he's been thinking. It's pretty like, you know, pretty scary, like, you know, to be hearing someone else's thoughts as like controlling your mind or whatever um, yeah but i thought it was a good creepy note to end on it, it kind of redeemed the whole psychiatrist monologue i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i i would have i would have done without that scene if that meant that the psychiatrist wouldn't have you know given his breakdown of the entire hour and 48 minutes yeah that we'd watched yeah <laughs> Fair um enough. yeah i just you know Mm. was not a fan of that scene it was unnecessary but it it might have it might have been helpful to a different audience yeah good points any other observations before we move on to evaluating well so um one thing i wanted to i guess mention Mm -hmm. i believe i heard this somewhere i didn't do research before after watching this movie and before talking with you, but I believe that I heard that this movie was only in black and white because of the shower scene. Mm. The um, MPAA or whoever was rating this was going to give them like a an X rating or something uh. because of the shower scene. Yeah. And so they made it black and white just to sort of appease them. Yeah. I'm not 100% certain on that, but I believe I've heard that before. And I thought that that was just an interesting bit of trivia mm. to throw out. Yeah. Well, and if nothing else, I mean, it, it worked well, you know, like I think they definitely had the color movie capacity, but um, it would also, it would have been really cheesy if it was bad fake blood, I guess, in the shower scene, because, you know, supposed to feel very realistic and frightening if you're just seeing like ketchup sprayed <laughs> around the bathtub like that's 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 not really um terrifying yeah, yeah. well i'm I'm sure they had <laughs> better yeah blood effects yeah I was definitely being exaggerating a little bit with with that um, I do think I also heard um that it was chocolate syrup that they ended up yeah putting in the shower. Um, and that might just be because it looked the best in black and white. Yeah, that's probably, probably true. Because it kind of has a coagulated look to it, mm-hmm. or it can mimic that, I suppose. Like, it's a very thick substance. 
Yeah. But in black and white, it definitely, I guess, can appear as blood if you want it to be. Yeah. Gosh, now I'm just thinking about that final scene because I, I, really, <laughs> I, I guess I don't remember the entire thing. I remember the fly part. I think that's, you know, that, yeah, that's well, important. Yeah, but... I remember the fly part, but also the, I believe it started off as her saying something about condemning her son. Like, you know, mm. most people would think that a mother should never condemn her son, blah, 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 blah. But yeah. I might I might have to rewatch that because I'm, I'm having trouble. Yeah. Um sort of understanding that scene, but it might be just because I'm missing some bits of dialogue that sort of fill it out. Yeah. Which could also go into the critique of maybe just that last scene lost a little bit of its impact because I mean, you, you can't remember what it said. So like, was what was said really that, you know, memorable? Um, Yeah. I guess all of this being said, I think that they should have cut the last eight minutes of the movie or or Mm. however, however long it was. (laughs) Yeah. Um, probably probably could have gotten away with that, I suppose. Um, uh, I guess so. That's I guess Chris is at the end of the movie, and at the beginning, I'm not really sure exactly why. I mean, I don't know if that's a normal um, expositional, you know, setting technique. It's just you know, it was Phoenix, Arizona, Friday, December 11th. You're like, okay, mm-hmm. so now we know where we are. And then it says 2:43 p.m. And you're just like, like what? <laughs> like why? That's either a late lunch or a long lunch. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's almost, but it was just like the, I, I was expecting, to, I, I don't know, just, it, I almost start, I started laughing or chuckling when it was 243. I was like, like, what's, what's it, what's the next thing it's going to say? Like, uh, like, <laughs> like the seconds or, you know, like how much more information can they give us about, you know, the setting? Cause yeah. if, it, if it just said Phoenix, Arizona, and then like panned in, I would have been able to gather from the context that it's a Friday lunch break, you know? Yeah, and did we need to know what time of year? I think I saw one note that said that only did that because there happened to be some Christmas decorations in the background of a scene. So they, they threw that December 11th in there just so it justified Christmas somehow, you know, the Christmas stuff. But I don't know. I don't know, I don't know if that was just a normal technique for for back then. But Yeah, I don't know. I, the, it the, just caught um, me off guard. The overview or the overhead city shot um reminded me of some other movies that i've seen before Mm. um particularly i believe in goldfinger there is a scene towards the beginning like right after the opening credit Mm -hmm. scene um where they sort of they're in orlando florida or it might not be Orlando, but it's they're in Florida mm. and they do this overhead shot and it just it looks very much the same because I guess it's just similar years. Like I believe Goldfinger was sixty four and Psycho was sixty. Yeah. So it just had a similar vibe to it and it was like an overhead panning shot of of uh, of of a city. And also it for some reason it made me think of Candyman. <laughs> the very beginning of Candyman. Mm-hmm. Because I mean that's how that movie starts yeah. too is yeah. a very yeah, very Chicago. long extended you know shot of Chicago and the Cabrini Green yeah um, but yeah I thought that was a that was a neat shot me too but that's uh, I don't think I have anything else to say what a what about you do you have any final thoughts before um. we. There's probably a few things I think I would weave into my evaluation and or the closing comments anticipating Halloween, I guess. Okay. So I think it's your turn to go first now. Okay. Uh, gosh, I haven't prepared a statement, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I can talk my way. I mean, I usually talk my way through this part anyway. Go for it. Yeah. So this is a horror movie. Uh you said, you know, it also could be considered a, a mystery or a thriller, but I think it's more notably a horror movie, first and foremost. Yeah. So um, that means that we are going to give it two ratings. Um, I might be showing my hand a little bit here, but I think that my scores are going to be just about the same. <laughs> For, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, because... You know, 
it's a very solid movie. Uh, you know, disregarding the fact that it's a horror movie, like it's a very ex, it's an excellent horror movie, and a very solid just movie in general. Um, mm. I would even use the word excellent there as well. So, I loved, like I said, the cinematography. I loved some of the shots; they really stood out to me. Uh, I, I really loved Janet Lee's performance and. Um, also Anthony Perkins performance. I thought that they were standouts and they were just excellent. Uh, the plot was very solid. I loved the story and not just the, you know, horror mystery aspect of it, but also just the beginning. I was very, um, from the, from the first scene, I was very drawn in to, to the narrative and I was very interested in, you know, her embezzling the money and, you know, preparing to run away with, with Sam Loomis. Hmm. So I thought there was a very solid story that they had to tell. Um, and, and I think that the twist is, you know, amazing. And, and I think that it, it definitely, it cannot be dismissed. Um, or the fact that this movie is sort of the basis for a lot of movies mm-hmm. nowadays. Yeah. That that cannot be dismissed. Yeah. Um this movie set a lot of standards and um so yeah, I don't really know what what more to say other than that. That's just kind of a, you know, overhead drive-by sort of rundown of of some of my thoughts. So, I'm I'm going to have to give this movie gosh. Um <laughs> This is the hard part. Yeah, no. That's why I'm uh for, for me personally, because you know, I try to think of what a perfect movie is in my mind or or what I think would be, you know, the highest rating I could give a movie and then sort of base my rating of this movie on that. Um, but this movie is just so, so solid, and I really enjoyed every bit of it, except for, like I said, the last, the last, like, scene, the last two scenes. Yeah. Um, so, I believe the people of IMDb got it right. I'm not going to give a half rating, but mm-hmm. I will say somewhere between an eight and a nine is where I'm falling mm. for for both. Um, I'm not even sure if I want to give it a specific horror rating or a you know a categorized rating, just because I think that it would be the same score anyways. Yeah. It, as far as a horror movie goes, it's probably a nine, and then okay, here's what I'll do: a nine for horror and an eight for just a movie. Mm. and i think i'm content with that and so you know if you average those two scores out you get an (laughs) 8.5 that's what the people of imdb think but i fully agree with it i would have a hard time giving any movie a 10 but this movie is very solid yeah i think i yeah i think you did a good job summarizing and of course the people have spoken you don't want to go against the people um (laughs) Well, I have no problem going against the people. <laughs> oh, I, I, just, oh, yeah. I just happen I to agree with their their stance on this particular film. Yeah, yeah. I think... Mm, I... I'm, I'm a slightly torn, I guess. So, <laughs> I, I really like the movie a lot. Um, so, I'm, I'm going to give it a high rating for at least one of those categories. So what I'm torn on is, you know, is this really, you know, a horror movie or is it truly horrific? You know, and it's definitely, um, definitely scary. And um, it is a, it's a movie that I wouldn't, you know, like I said, wouldn't want to let a, a child watch, um, but I also think there's not great. I don't think the second half of the movie is great. I think the first half of the movie is amazing. Um, up until like the 
kind of cohesive story told from when we are introduced to Marion to when Marion is killed. I really like that part of the movie. And, mm-hmm. I, and I really like the dialogue and then how there's the thread of the mystery woven throughout the second half of the movie, but it just, it felt very jumpy um, to me, like where, I don't know, it's just like a whole, like a lot of different scenes, like a lot of like, you know, back to back to back. Um, so it was, you know, like I said, I enjoyed the mystery aspect of it. And, of course, and I'm, I'm also biased because I, I knew the ending, you know, during all of this. So it was hard to, hard to watch it, you know, for the, with the fresh, like excitement of figuring out what, what had actually happened. Um, and then, like we mentioned, some of the things at the end were not ideal. <laughs> um, so that, that's why I'm torn because like, I would probably give like the first half of the movie, like, um, almost a 10 because of yeah. just, just fe- feeling like it was very cohesive. But then, I mean, the halves definitely connect, but it's almost like there's two stories being told. Like there could just been a part one, part two, where the part two is like, like psycho two, this would have been a great movie, you know, of just the second half of this whole thing fleshed out where there's the investigation almost. Um, kind of like a, well, yeah, just to interject, it, yeah. kind of now that you're saying this, it kind of feels like this movie could have been the basis for Law and Order. Also, hmm. Have you ever seen any episodes of that television show? I I think I saw like half of one on TV. So, so, no, so what do like, you mean? A a standard episode will basically start with a crime, yeah. and then the um, investigative aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And then the second half of the show is basically the prosecution and the court hearings and, and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so the way that you're talking about how this is split between, you know, the crime, whatever. Yeah. yeah, the yeah. crime and then the investigation. Um, it's slightly different, but but it definitely does feel like, now that you're saying this, an episode of Law and Order, um, just, you know, different. It, it's basically the split between the crime and then the investigation yeah. as, as opposed to in law and order, it's basically the crime and investigation and then the court proceedings and how right. they handle the situation. But, but yeah, yeah that's, yeah. So that's what I mean. Like, I, I'm not trying to be super critical cause I, I enjoyed it. And I thought it was great, but I almost think I would have been excited to see, you know, if there was just one movie where they really focused on building up this whole, Marion, is she going to make the decision to do the right thing or the wrong thing? And then the plot twist is, oh, no, she's going to get murdered in a motel room by a crazy mother. And then you have a whole follow-up story, which is about, oh, like, what happened to Marion? You know, what's going on in this motel? And then plot twist there is there is no mother. It's just Norman's nuts. And Norman was the one. You know, so, like, um, mm. I feel like because it was accomplished all of that in one movie, both parts felt, like, you know, condensed like while saying jumpy, maybe I made like rushed, like the investigation, there wasn't really a whole lot of time for the facts and findings to linger with you um, before like the connection was made. And, you know, Norman goes downhill really fast with his inability to lie and giving things away. Um, so. Yeah. Did, did you notice? Um, I'm sorry to keep interjecting no, in, keep in your it. portion. Yeah. But did you notice that his character just changed in the two different halves because at first he's yeah. a very likable kind of almost bumbling I yeah, would say like shy kind of yeah he's just he's a very shy like charming charming guy then the murder happens and he's very much like oh I need to um I need to clean this up I need to I need to you know protect my mother hide this and then from that point on he's just very sketchy mm-hmm. and and he you would think that he would be able to switch back on that likable personality and he wouldn't yeah. have stumbled with Arborgast as much as he did. And, yeah. Um, he, his character definitely changed in, in not in a way that I think was expected or even um, in a way that I agree with yeah. now that you're sort of working yeah. your way through it. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's, again, I, I, that's, I think the essence of my, the conflict I'm feeling is 
I feel like the first part, the first half would be, you know, I think is a great horror movie. And then the end is a great horror movie. But then everything in between just feels <laughs> like mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, which I, is always, I think there's always an aspect of that with horror too, because there's always like a source of the haunting or, you know, like a, the thing that is causing all of the evil to happen. So, hmm. I, I think I'm going to go the opposite direction of you. And as an overall movie, I think I'm going to give this one a nine. Because I would say this is probably, you know, one of the best movies I've seen in general. Just because yeah. of, you know, the legacy it establishes, the um, cinematography, the music. Like, the score was awesome. Like, some of the ways, like, the innovative with scenes was really cool. T- tells a really great story. But for its value as a horror movie, I guess, I would probably give it, like, a seven. Okay. So not like bad. It's just like if it's just not. Um, I don't know. You don't really have as much time for the terror to linger around because really the only thing, only threat is that people might you know die. The whole like, <laughs> which I mean I guess that is that is scary. You know that's something in horror movies. But the the threat of the mother does not like feel super imposing. You know like. But again, I'm saying this knowing the whole time that there is no mother. So. I don't know. Yeah. People will, people feel free to disagree with me. Um, but so I think I would go definitely watch this movie, but it's also okay if you watch this movie and you're not impressed with it as a horror movie, because it's still just a really good movie. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it, it, we talked about the tradition it establishes, so it is referenced a ton in pop culture, other TV shows, movies, um, but they actually came out with psycho sequels. Which the I think only in the second one the returning characters are Anthony Perkins and Vera Miles. Um, so we just follow the readings. We'll get a feel for how this goes. So 1960 Psycho 8.5 out of 10. Psycho 2 6.5 out of 10. Psycho 3 Norman Bates falls in love with a nun. This is ranked five. <laughs> this is ranked 5.4. Um, and Anthony Perkins actually directs this one. Psycho 4 it came out in 1990 get a 5.5 so they maybe got redeemed itself a little bit there um i don't know if they ended on a good note or something but it's like more of like the backstory of norman bates apparently and then 1998 is a remake of the original with the title character as norman bates is none other than vince vaughn (laughs) (laughs) and they remake it with some other big names like julianne moore vigo mortensen um william h macy robert forster so like they you know, they pull out all the stops for the 1998 remake in terms of, you know, your n- 90s stars. Um, that one has a 4.6 out of 10. <laughs> so it seems like it went downhill within its own franchise after the first movie, which you could argue most things do that. So if you're going to watch a Psycho movie, I'd say definitely watch the 1960 original. Yeah. And it was I don't really enjoyable. have any intentions of watching any of the other ones. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So I think that's probably, you know, the extent of my thoughts, um, aside from anticipating Halloween. Now I think this is like the perfect movie to watch in between blade and Halloween. Cause you had, you know, you got a little bit of incest from blade that carries over into this movie. And then you get a little bit of the, you know, the female protagonist, evil man killer vibe and, you know, Halloween. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of spillage um, from this movie into Halloween. Mm. Or maybe not a lot, but there is a notable, you know, amount of things that I guess influence Halloween that are from this movie. Yeah, I yeah I agree. So, so I'm excited. I look forward to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, I guess I'll let. Yeah. Yeah, I'll say that. I guess yeah, if you're if you're good, I'm good. Um for this episode of our walkthrough of Alfred Hitchcock's uh Psycho. Um fantastic movie. It was very fun to talk about it with you. I would say this is a great movie pass movie, but that sounds very derogatory. So we could just say this is a <laughs> this is just a great movie. Um and I think yeah. I think uh it was a good choice. So Yeah. And uh and like Seth said, we will be back next week 
with our Halloween special. Um, and we will be reviewing the movie Halloween, <laughs> <laughs> which is uh, not to sort of, you know, I guess get too ahead of myself. It is one of my favorite movies of all time. So it'll be fun to <laughs> it'll be fun to talk about it, and I'll try not to be super. I guess um, uh, what's the word? Biased towards it. Yeah, of course. Well, until next time, Caleb. Yeah, it's been real. Uh, we'll. we'll-